got to bet on you. There's no other way around it. You got to bet on you. And a lot of times in life when uh, we are at a crossroads and we don't know what to do, I think that is often the solution. The solution is to double down on you and what you think you are capable of. But often we're scared. We're terrified. We don't think we have the answers. Or we're not sure we can do it. But what I've witnessed in uh, every single conversation, for the most part, that I've had on this podcast over the last number of years, every single guest has had to come to those crossroads and then double down on themselves and believe that they will get it done or that they can accomplish the goal that they set out to accomplish. And I think that we quite often use other people as excuses or a system as an excuse or um, fate as an excuse when quite often it's just more effort and more believes, belief in ourselves to do this thing we say we want to do. I really believe that. I truly believe that. I've had it happen in my own life, um, in sports, in a career in entertainment. <sighs> Man, there are times when you don't have the answers right away. And you don't know what to do. You're, you're, you're struggling. You've been kicked multiple times. You've failed multiple times. Um, you don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. What do you do in those situations? I'm sure a lot of folks now with the year we just had feel like that. Just feel like, man, every corner was just despair and rough times. And the only answer that I can figure out that comes up time and time again is just doubling down on yourself and believing in your ability and what you're capable of and working a little harder or maybe working a little differently. And uh, I'm going to go down this road today with this episode of the podcast. Uh, my guest is Paul Verzi. Paul's a hilarious comedian. Um, he has uh, his own podcast, The Verzi Effect, and uh, which is quite popular. And he, uh, I first got to got introduced to him, I guess, uh, from a distance. I would imagine uh, just him opening for Bill Burr when Bill was on tour through Canada. That was my first introduction to, to Paul Verzi and a uh, hilarious guy. And he's gone on to, to have an amazing career and kind of just blossomed into his own, you know, um, big act and doing his own things and putting out comedy specials and um, has now actually uh, a new podcast going to come out with him and Bill Burr together, co-hosting it. And uh, we get into this, this, this talk of having to bet on yourself and he had to do that um, at different points in his career. And uh, I think it's a great way to start off 2021. I think, I hope you're going to do that out there. You're going to, you're going to, you know, let the bruises heal from this past year and you know, ice yourself down. Look at the game film, you know, look at uh, ways you could improve, get in the weight room, whatever it is you got to do to change your life. And, and But ultimately, believe in yourself and what you're capable of. And I think 
if you follow that all the time, but especially during the dark times and when it's frustrating, I think you get there. I think you get the ball over the line, you know? And uh, I've seen that, as I said, time and time again in people in multiple different professions is uh, just that ability to follow through. And it comes from just knowing that you can get it done and trusting in yourself and your abilities. And so we get into that. We talk about Paul's career um, and, uh, you know, where comedy is right now, how comedy is maybe where it's going. Um, and, uh, yeah, we had a great conversation, man. He's one of those guys that uh, I'd never met before, but the conversation just flowed and we, we, uh, we, uh, I think we both had a great time. So um, sit back and listen to episode 69, my conversation with comedian Paul Verzi. Paul Verzi. Dude, that looks like a sweet little setup there. Is that a podcast studio? Is that where you're doing your thing? Yeah. As a matter of fact, um, with everything that happened with COVID and the pandemic, I um, I needed a studio anyway and right. had this little room off of our, our two-car garage that was just kind of storage and like crafts and, and shit that we weren't using. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they're like, hey, man, you're going to be home for months. So I was like, <laughs> you know, if there was ever a time to, to not be lazy and actually get a studio done. So it's been actually a lot of more work than I thought because it was always adding and right. soundproofing and this and that. So. You know? Yeah, no, it looks really good. It's funny. Like I think for comedians anyway, the man cave has become a podcast studio. It's like, ah, I used to just have sports memorabilia up and shit and pictures. It's like, what kind of microphone do I need? Mm, Jesus. Yeah, it's just, it's just, uh, yeah, soundproofing cameras, you know, everything's just been added. Even this, um, you know, because, you know, when you do this shit, you always get like some asshole to be like, hey, man, you know, your mic is popping. Can you, you know, and it's like, I'm like, all right, man. So I'm just trying to always fix the shit that that one, you know, because it's like you ever take a picture. Yeah. And instead of them saying nice picture, it's like. Dude, were you eating Doritos? It's because they're in the background. And it's like, so you got to make sure the background is good. You got to make yeah. sure every, every, you know, so I was just trying to fix everything. But um, no, well, me and my family, we got COVID. Um, oh, shit, dude. Wow. We all had COVID late March, early April. Yeah. Right at the beginning. And um, when I got better from that, my next project was was this this room. So. Yeah. Cool, man. Cool. Well, I'm glad everyone's doing well. I assume uh, the whole family's yeah, doing better. Man, yep. Thank God. Yeah. We got antibodies. We don't know what that means or for how long. Um, some people say they could run out. We just heard recently now some doctors saying that antibodies can last for seven years. Other people are saying, but you know, it's just nobody knows, man. So no, it's a weird time, man, too. Like, cause I'm in Canada and Halifax, Nova Scotia. So they had the Atlantic bubble, right? Where like, if you flew into these four provinces, you had to do two weeks quarantining by yourself. Like you had to shut shit down and the cases here are relatively low. They had a little spike and so then they shut more stuff down, restaurants, bars, all that shit's done now for a while. Um, but the bubble worked. It's like people, cases were really, really low. There was two cases in a small town. People were losing their minds. Like this is bullshit. We got us. Who's coming in here and bring it. It's like, it's two cases in a town of like, you know, people the people are so people are taking it serious for the most part and we have some folks up here who are like ah it's a government conspiracy it's bullshit they're trying to control us that's everywhere too right no that's everywhere man like the here in the states you have places that are 
super, super serious. And then you have states that are just like, I'm going to live my life without it and whatever happens. And it's, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where hopefully a vaccine or hopefully after this second wave, it's it, you know, you keep hearing the Spanish flu to Spanish flu was two waves and then that's it. So, you know, who knows? Who knows what happens? Yeah. So what's the scene going on right now? You're, where are you right now? You're in I'm in New York, New York and are um, clubs, clubs open and stuff or everything is shut no. down. What's the deal? Well, New York. So New York city is completely done. Unfortunately, clubs are, are, are closing, um, um, some permanently, which is horrible, but then you have like, hopefully, you know, knock on wood, the big boys that are going to get through this and, and last, but as far as stand up, no, I mean, right now people are doing outdoor shows, rooftops, parks, shit like yeah. that. But with the weather turning and everything like that, that's going to, you know, it's just a matter of getting through, I think, these next few months until the spring. And then hopefully by then doors open up. But as far as New York, like I'm doing stand up, but I'm traveling. Right. You no, know, I'm going to Texas this weekend. Um, I was in Utah. I was in Arizona, did a lot of outdoor stuff in Connecticut. But New York City is a wrap right now. Yeah, crazy, man. It's uh, I was talking to another comedian up here and I'm like, it's almost weird because you got to kind of go through seasons. Like I, I look at it as like, you know, I go hard with stand up. I'm on a show up here, a TV show. So we shoot for six months of the year. And it's like, I feel like this is almost a reminder to break shit up into seasons, like your year, like this is when I go hard on yeah. this. Then I focus on this other thing. And I think this whole bigger shutdown thing is almost helping me do that. So now I've doubled down on podcasting. I've doubled down on the show yeah. that I'm on and then stand up. I've just kind of put away for a bit and not not beat myself up about not writing more or it's like, well, I can't perform anyway. So it's like, just tuck that away. It's like your Christmas direct decoration. You just take them down, put them in a fucking garage somewhere, yeah. leave them till next year. You know? Yeah. You know, th that's the thing. I think that you, you have two kinds of people during this time. Um, I think you have people that are putting their feet up and getting fat and shit and eating and, and not really caring. And they're going to wait. And then I think you have people who are proactive, who work on the things that were, or at least for me, you know, what my weaknesses were. Right. And my weaknesses were, I needed a podcast studio. I needed to get my podcast on video. I needed to, you know, take my podcast to another level because if I can't do anything with standup, see, my thing was like standup was going fantastic and knock on wood is going fantastic. But when things shut down, it was like, all right, let's work on the online presence. Yep. You know, I'm not, I, I'm not a big guy. I'm still not, but like, I'm not a big guy on like recording myself when I'm making eggs and shit, you know, <laughs> and just go, oh, so I'm going to put some peppers in you yeah. guys. Like I'm not, there's yeah. something about that. That's just not me. Listen, I got friends that are, you know, putting on wigs and shit and going crazy. And, and, you know, I got people that are dying their hair. People are losing their minds and shit. I'm not, I got kids. Um, um, I am trying to do more of that, like be with my family, let things slow down, but at the same time, do the things that I really needed to work on. And I do think that, you know, my buddy, uh, Andrew Scholes comic from out here and, uh, you know, he's, he's doing great. He's got that show coming out on Netflix and stuff, but he was saying, he goes, and, and it's so true. It's like, now's the time to do things, Yeah, you know, because when we were, when everything was opened up, it was like, all right, man, I got to go do two sets tonight. Then I got to go home. My wife's going to work in the morning. I got to take care of the kids. So I wasn't thinking of a podcast studio. I wasn't thinking of, oh, let me build a YouTube channel and really 
get subscribers and really like I would kind of do that. I wanted to do that, but like I got a producer during this time. So all of those other things and um, I capitalized on it and I continue to. Um, and I think if you don't, you're really, you know, you're, you're, you're missing the boat. I think. Yeah. I think you're right, man. You got to use this time to your advantage. It's like, this is the cards have been dealt. So it's like, all right, I got to figure something out, but there's some positive in it too for us. I think career wise, I was the same way. I was like, I was doing the podcast sporadically for a while and I was like, ah, I'm not going to do this week, whatever. Now I've doubled down being consistent with it. And, uh, and you're right. It kind of exposes areas that you had, you were a little thin on before, you know what I mean? For you. I know some comedians have said, man, I need to be performing all the time. I miss it so much. It's like something, it's my therapy and all that stuff. But I've heard people like Nikki Glazer say, yeah, now I realize I don't necessarily need to be doing it all the time. So it's almost that awakening. How has it been for you? Yeah, that's, um, you know, I would say I would have to agree with that. See, I would always be nervous and stressed out and anxious when I wasn't on stage before this, right? Because when you're not on stage before this happened when you're not on stage and your peers are right you're going they're getting better than me not not in a way of a competition but in a way of like if i'm trying to be the best that i could be and i'm trying to make every hour better every joke better i'm trying to get the reps in and you have a weekend off which is fine which is normal but you're sitting on the couch and maybe you're socializing with your family friends and in your mind you're going Oh, okay. Well, the seller is busy tonight and I'm not there or the stand is busy tonight and I'm not there. Now that everybody's not there, you kind of t- you kind of go, okay, everybody's kind of on the same thing and I'm I was doing a lot, but I did realize too what you were saying about Nikki Glazer is if a month and a half goes by or a month goes by, let's say. And uh, like I'm going to San Antonio, Texas Friday. Yep. Now I had to cancel a gig in Atlanta because of, of, I was in contact with somebody. I I didn't get it, but I was in contact. I was in a room with somebody who tested positive. Mm -hmm. Now I already had it. The chances of me having it, I also had a mask on. So the chances of me having it from that person with everything going on with me having antibodies, probably not going to happen, but I couldn't get on the airplane without telling the owner. And we decided we rescheduled it for January. Right? So now when I go to San Antonio Friday, I haven't been on the stage probably now you're talking about a month. Right. And I realized through Arizona, through Utah, through everything that after like a few minutes back, you know, and I'm not saying this arrogantly, but I'm back right. because, um, but, but I will say this Trent and I'm, and I'm, I'm fortunate with this is that we were ready for the next special before the pandemic. I was ready to, we wanted to shoot it in March or April anyway. Right. Um, it was probably around 85, 90% then. Mm-hmm. So with this time I was able to add, I got from maybe 55 minutes to an hour to now an hour, 10 hour and 15. So we can cut that down to where we want it to be. So I think me being ready now yeah. I'll just listen back and I'll go, all right. And then, and then it'll come back a little bit, but I don't need to be on what I did. It was more of an obsession. Yeah. And it was more of a mental thing within myself as opposed to what my ability is, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point, man. It's uh, well, I was talking to other comics about it too. Like long before the, the pandemic, like we were talking about like, I remember when you used to sit down and have a meal with people. And then you didn't just fuck off to go do a set somewhere. Like you're like, you're just looking at your watch the whole time. Like, yeah, I'll just grab that. Just, I'll just take it to go. Yeah, I got it. Like 
I think this has allowed people now to have some normalcy in their lives again, especially as a comic. Because we we operate at night. You're like, you're always thinking about eight o'clock, you got the set. And now you take all that away and you're left with all this time. And it's like, well, what, what am I doing with my time? What, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? And it's it's a good audit. It's a good thing to put under the microscope and go like, yeah, what have you been doing for the last 10, 15 years and gone so mad at this, right? No, dude, it's it's a brilliant point. And it's like, you know, I got kids and and I, you know, we're so um we're in a job where we almost have to be self-obsessed and narcissistic. So as much as sometimes I'll we'll feel like selfish pieces of shit, which we are in a way. I also think that part of that is like our kind our job kind of entails that because it's like it's just us up there. You know, when I'm on stage whether it's a small room or a theater or anything in between, it's me and it's 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 the battle that I'm having within myself and against the crowd and with the jokes that I wrote down. So you're thinking about that. But meanwhile, your son or daughter just wants you to play a video game with them. Right. But in your mind, you're like, man, I hope that joke, you know, that plan B joke that I have about having sex with my wife, you're just thinking about that and you're going, I'm going to do that tonight. I got to do that tonight. This has let me realize like, you know what? And I mean, I realized it before, but this has actually really made me put brakes on and go, look, man, you know, this is as much as I want to get better. And, but it's a double-edged sword because part of that obsession and doing it is what makes us better. And it's what got me to where... I, I was, I'm, I am now and where I know I'm going to be because of where I was before. So, so part of it is a, a good thing, but at the same time, you got to be able to realize like, no, man, you got to stop, man. You got people that love you and you have to, you have, and it's also good for you to just put your feet up and go, you know what? I'm not doing shit tonight. Yeah, I know. Like, yeah, I don't need to be somewhere. I don't need to be focused on this thing 24 hours a day. It's, it's exhausting. Like I, that's why we feel like our careers go by so fast and you go like for me now, it'll be 16, 17 years doing this. And I'm like, man, I feel like I just started, but that's because the drive has been there for such a long time. Like next, next, next. And something I struggle with, I don't know if you do, was being in the moment of like, just take this fucking thing in and appreciate where you are right now, as opposed to going, I got to book this tour. I got to get this thing. I got to do it. Like it was almost stealing that joy of being in the moment. I've been working on it over the last bunch of years, but man, like that, that drive, it just makes, keeps making you look down the road as opposed to just appreciating what's around you right now. I don't know if that makes sense or if you went through the same thing, but oh, I, mean, I struggle with it for a while. I mean, it's, you're talking to, you might as well be talking in the mirror. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, literally in the mirror. We look alike a little, <laughs> but no, uh, I, I said to my wife, I go, you know, what's crazy. I go, I go, uh, it's amazing to me that it's not that it's never enough, but I remember coming up going like, and seeing some of my peers, I mean, they were ahead of me, but I remember being like a three-year comic, right? Or a five-year comic. And you'd watch somebody do like best week ever on VH1. Yeah. And they had their just, there was just like a talking head on VH1. And I'm thinking, man, that would be amazing. Right. Yeah. It's like, if, if I could just have that credit, right. Yeah, because yeah. those, those guys were getting work and, and, you know, any, anytime you would see a, a comic, you'd be like, he or she is going to be headlining a room somewhere because they're a talking head on VH1. And then you get that or something like that. And then you're like, no, no, I got to do this. And uh, I think the internet too has really, um, I think the internet as good as it's been for us, it's hurt. It's hurt. Like, here's how I mean it. It's hurt. Take away internet right now. 
right? If you take away internet right now, you take away Instagram followers and you, t- and I was late to the game with that shit too, but all of the stuff as far as like, cause I had Twitter and Facebook and I'm like, I'm done. And then everyone's like, oh, you got to get Instagram. I'm like, yeah, but then what's the next thing? But let's say you take all that away. You take away everything online. I was like, I want to be the, the, the nastiest standup. Like I want to go like toe to toe, joke for joke, story for story, presence, owning the stage, the whole deal. I want it to be based on that, but it's not based on that. It's based on that. Plus, oh, so-and-so's got a web series. Oh, (laughs) so-and-so did this on YouTube and they have a million followers. So it's, it's like that made me, that got me going like, oh, okay, man. Like I, I need to do that now. So it is never enough because there's so much that we can be doing. And, um, but to your point, me and Big Jay Okerson were doing the Montreal Comedy Festival and we were standing outside a club soda and, he, you know, we were smoking. He was smoking a, a cigarette. I was smoking a cigar and he made a good point. He's like, and it's I always talk about it. Comedians don't think about what they got. No. You know, we, we don't think about where we are and, and where we, it's always what's next. But it's like if you think about some of the things that you have achieved and, and you have accomplished and you look at all that, it's like, oh, man, like there are people that would kill to be me or you. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and but we look at it like we I would kill to be. But it just keeps going because you would kill to be the person on the top of the mountain. Yeah, I agree. It never ends. It never ends, dude. It and never like, ends. And you look at like, it's so funny you said that because I was talking to Henry Sir on this podcast. I don't know if you know Henry. He's from Canada. Henry Sir, who's based in New York uh, for a while. He's from Canada originally, but I think he's back okay. in Canada now. Uh, but he said that too. He's going through a shit time and he's just, you know, oh man, I'm not where I want to be, whatever. And he said he had another comic remind him of his credits and go, dude, you've done this. You headline this. You're, you're in at this club. You're in at this club. And he goes, Fuck yeah, I guess you're right. But if you take your credits and give them to somebody else, you're almost impressed by it. You're like, God damn, that guy's killing it. But when it's you, it's like, ah, fuck, that's not, yeah, but I didn't get the thing and I didn't get the, uh, it's just like it never, never ends, right? Like, yeah, but I, I think it never ends for the people that are going to be successful. Yeah, I, I agree. That drive has got to come from somewhere. And it's like an athlete, right? Like, you, I mean, I know you're a big sports fan. It's like, I don't think Sidney Crosby sits around going, yeah, man, I, I made it. It's like, it's still like, I got to win another cup. I got to, yeah. we're saying Connor McDavid's better. I got to show that I can still bring it every single night. Like that drive is what makes you succeed. But I think there's got to be a balance as well of like, yeah, I also appreciate where you are right now. But that's a fine line, man. A really fine line. I struggle with it all the time. I think that every profession, and I think sports is the best probably analogy and example, because I think that you have guys that are like, you know, examples I would use would be a Derek Jeter, a Tom Brady, uh, a Jordan, a Kobe, rest his soul. There are certain athletes that when you look at them, they're just, it's, you know, I mean, Tom Brady has been to nine Super Bowls, won six of them. And when he loses today, it's as if he's never won one. Yeah. And then you got a guy that you're like, well, you know what, dude, that dude is smoking weed after the game anyway. He doesn't give a shit. <laughs> That's right. You so. know, he's he's a, he's a professional athlete. He's making some money. He's it's 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 what it is. Goes and, home to his model wife and uh, we're good. You know, and maybe part of that guy is got Hey, he's like, hey, man, I'm mentally free. You know, those guys are out of their fucking minds. <laughs> yeah. But um. I think, you know, you like, it sounds like you like, like me, we just have that thing where it's like, look, man, I've come this far. I didn't think I was going to come, you know, you first do it the first time and you're like, I'm just happy to do this shit. Yeah. 
And then you get good. And then people like, maybe you could be great. And you're like, maybe I could be great. And then you start realizing what you could do. And then it's like, well, why not just go? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Dude, was it that movie Bronx Tale about the, the, the line about wasted talent? Yeah. About, you know, the biggest the biggest crime is wasted talent or whatever it is. I think about that all the time, man. Like, I'm sure you know guys who were great at basketball or baseball or whatever, and they had the, the raw ability, but they just didn't bear down. They didn't hit the gym. They didn't stay off the booze or the weed. And now they're just a guy at the end of the bar that tells stories about how they could have been the thing. Yeah. No one gives a fuck about that guy. No, no one wants to hear about what you could have done. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's all about what did you execute on? Like talents, you know, lots of folks got talent. And I think about that in standup all the time. Like, yeah, okay. You had a good run so far, but like, how far can you take this? How far can you go? How good can you get? And that's an everyday thing. But I think I think about that in the sports world all the time, man. That drive is just, that's the fuel. If you don't have that, no one cares. No one gives a shit. I, and I, I think something, I'll take it a step further where I think that there are some successful comedians who, who could be more and they don't. And I know guys, I know guys that you're just like, man, if you, you know, like you, you are so great. You know, I'm talking about maybe even acquaintances or people that I've come across on the road or mm-hmm. people that I've people that I've watched from afar. And I've been in this for a while now where I could see and I'm going, man, you know, if if he or she stops drinking or or if he or she can, you know, the way they're writing and the way they're thinking on stage is so good. But there's something that's not. And I think it's a it's either a, a self sabotage because of, of of not a fear of going there, or there is something when you watch somebody and you're just like, I don't know if it's a self worth thing. I mean, I don't want to get so deep on it, but there is a thing, one hundred percent, because I've seen it and I've seen it multiple times in this business, where somebody gets to a point and they're almost okay when it's there and they stay there when it could easily be more and whatever it is that they got in their personal life, which obviously that's their business. But for some reason, people don't go to the next level because of something. And it's a sad thing to see. No, I agree. It's kind of uh, well, I've arrived. This is top of the mountain. I'm good here. When we all see, Oh dude, you, there's so much more ahead of you. If you just keep taking some steps. I'm also fascinated by, you know, all those legendary comics that, had a level of success and then suddenly went, nah, this is not how I'm going to do it. And they went away. You know, you look at Carlin reinventing himself prior reinventing himself. Yeah. They had successful careers to that point. They didn't need to reinvent themselves. They'd made it. They were in the door. They were doing late night. They were on the circuit. Everything was, they're playing Vegas. And they still went, no, this is not me. This is not the authentic me I want to be. And went away. Like that to me is mind blowing and such a gamble, but a gamble on you. And your ability yeah. and believing, yeah, I can leave, I can throw all this away, come back a different comic, and I'll do even better than I'm doing right now. Like you got to have a belief in yourself to do that. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that like somebody like Pryor, who probably deep down inside wanted to say fuck, yeah, and he deep down inside wanted to be the guy that he really is, but I think probably in those times coming up, it was the suit and the late night. And he wanted to break out of the suit and be be Richard and rest his soul. And that's what he did. And like, you know, it took me about 10 and a half years to find my voice where it's like, I'm the Paul that I am not like off stage, on right. stage. They come and, together. Yeah. And just doing it. Yeah. And it's like, and this is what I'm going to do. And this is what I'm going to say. And 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 let the chips fall where they may. But I'm, like you said, I'm, I think that's the best way to say it is like, I'm just going to gamble on my real self. And, and hopefully that's enough because that's all I can do. Right. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, I always think about the opposite of that. So what if you become successful not being the guy you want to be? And now you're that guy every day. And no one gives a shit about the real you. I don't care about the real you, Paul. I just want the thing you do. And now it's so successful. It's making tons of money. You've got management. There's people you've hired now. They don't want the real Paul. They want the the guy who wears the thing, who says the catchphrase and does the, you know, and you're now you're in a prison. You're like, yeah, that, and I've heard, unfortunately, I've heard without mentioning guys' names, guys that made millions and millions of dollars doing something that's not who they are. Um, and they have that, like you said, it's that niche. It's that, you know, it's that, what do they call it? What's the word I'm looking for? The, oh, a shtick. Yeah. You know, you, you have to have a shtick. You have to have this thing. Oh, you're the guy that pulls his underwear over. Well, you know what? You better <laughs> buy a bunch of new underwears and do And it's like, and then yeah. next thing you know, you're, 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 you're dragging a case through a fucking Vegas hotel with all, all these underwears. Cause that's what people are paying yeah. to see. While people yell out in the lobby, Hey, underwear guy. Fucking yeah. They're fucking, you're like, that. yeah, like you're at the craps table and they're like, dude, we went to see the underwear guy, dude. I wish you would have done it longer. And like, now you're living with that yeah. and you don't want to have the legacy in your family as the underwear guy. You're so like, it's I got to like, sign underwear after every goddamn show. Like, all right, pull them up. All right. Jesus. Yeah. Screaming fruit of the loom and shit. And it's just like, you know, Hey, so I, yeah, like I agree. It's like, um, I think that you just gotta, you know, I also think too, like we're all insecure. See, this is, this is, if we're going to talk real about this now, now you got me going here. Um, the thing is we are, we're all insecure and we all insecure in our own ways. Not, not, you know, so much maybe the way an insecure person is here or the, our own insecure. So however Trent is insecure, however I'm insecure, whatever happened to me when I was younger happened to you, there's something that 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 our, our, our security kind of goes away a little bit. And this kind of fills it like everybody in life, not just comedians and stuff, you know, I think. But um, having confidence, like I'm one of these guys where I've had friends say to me, you know, wow, you're confident, you know, of course you're insecure a little bit, but you're confident in you and what you could do. And it's like, well, yeah, cause I know where I started and I know what it was at the bottom, like when I was really at the bottom Yeah, and I know kind of what hard work and something did. So as much as, yeah, I'm still have my, you know, insecurities like anybody else. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you heard, um, Chris Rock was talking to uh, Stern and he's talking about how insecure of a guy he is or like, you mm-hmm. know, and it's like, it doesn't matter who you are. When I watched that, um, here's a crazy one. I watched that documentary about Jordan. Did you watch that? Oh, last dance was awesome. Yeah. And if you watch last dance, he's basically, t- he was an, he's an insecure guy. His brother would beat him. His, all of those things he would do to players at practice. Remember he cried and he goes, that's, that was because he was broken down younger. He didn't make his high school team. His brother always beat him. Yeah. And, and, and so this like chip on his shoulder, which, you know, teammates hated. I heard a lot of, they left out a lot about teammates did not like him. And, and he, he had a lot of stuff cut out of that because of that, but that's an insecure man. Yeah. So, so you're talking about the greatest, you're talking about the greatest dude to ever fucking do what he did. Yeah. And he's got those things. So, you know, we have those things, but, we, he harnessed it for greatness. Yeah. And I know some comedians that have too. And then I know some comedians that it can go the other way. So it's all really what is, it kind of does go back to what we were saying before with the Tom Brady. It's just, it's what you are. Yeah. And we can talk all we want, right? About 
sad, this, the saddest thing in life is wasted talent and this and that. It's really the individual because nobody's going to be or have your heart. Nobody's going to have my heart and nobody's yeah. going to have the heart of the guy that can't do it. No, you're right. You're right. Well, that's why I feel like too, when I first started stand up, I remember you coming into it all excited. You're like, yeah, I love it. You start having some good sets. You think you're better than you are. You don't understand why comedians who've been around a while are not overly warm to you to start because they seen you a thousand times. They've seen 100%. that guy a million times. And let's see if you're here in five years. That's what they're thinking. They're thinking like, yeah, yeah, good. You had a good run. You've had a good couple of weeks. Good for you, kid. You know? Yeah. And I never understood that until I was in it for a while. I was like, oh, people come and go and people decide after a while it's too hard or they go on a downward slope and then they pack it in. Like they almost want to see who can, who can survive, who can, it's a, it's a war of attrition. How much shit can you take and still get up? And I realized that later in, in the game, but when I was coming in, I was like, Hey, where's all the love? Like, like Hey, what are you guys? They're like, no, no, you're not. Like, <laughs> and then you realize they want to see, can you stick it out? And that's what this thing is. Not about talent. It's just like how much tenacity can you have, you know? Yeah, I think that that, you know, I remember being like, I remember I was buzzed at the comedy cellar like year one. I was never, I mean, I'm surprised they even let me in the fucking place to get wings. <laughs> and uh, I go in there and I remember seeing like Keith Robinson and, and Kevin Brand and all these other people. And I was drinking. So like when I was drinking, I was like going up to them. And I remember uh, Keith would laugh now because we're friends. But like, you know, he just kind of looked at me sideways like, who's this drunk nobody? And, and in my mind, I'm going like, wow, that was kind of rude. But it's like, no, he's right to do that because yeah. I would do that if some drunk guy that I didn't know was saying, but he also didn't know what was inside of me. Like, no, no. listen, man, I might be drunk and I'm only talking to you because I am drunk, but I'm coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't, yeah. he doesn't know that. And, and I think that that's a really good point. Yeah, yeah, you're right, man. And also they have their own insecurities, right? About like, oh, here comes the young kid. He's looking to take my spot. And you know how every club has that like, uh, kind of hidden hierarchy of who's next in line to do the thing and get the thing and whatever, all this shit we make up in our head. And then some young kid comes along and it's like, whoa, 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 that guy's supposed to be in the back of the line. What's he do? How did he move that far up the, like there's, and that's all of our anxiety being projected onto the new person who's walked into the room. They have no idea. They're walking into a hornet's nest of <laughs> anxiety and guys like, Oh, uh, I'm supposed to be the next guy to go to Montreal. Who's the, who's the yeah. kid with the under, He's got an underwear act. What the fuck? What's with yeah. that? Jesus <laughs> Christ, fruit of the loop. So. Yeah, <laughs> fruit of the loop. <laughs> no, um, I think Jay Leno said it. Jay Leno said you can never count anybody in or out. That's true. So it's like, I remember, you know, being on a podcast, being on podcasts with people and like, they'd be younger. They'd come in the room and you'd be like, who's this person? They'd be in your mind. You're thinking of all the things you've done and what they've done. But then next thing you know, they'll get a TV series. And it's like that this, uh, who told me Bill Burr said this a long time ago and he, and it's, it's great, you know, and he's a, a dear friend and a mentor to me. But he's like, this business doesn't owe you anything. And it doesn't, it's like, just you, I'm not owed anything. It's, it's the hard work, it's the dedication and it's what you're going to do, mm -hmm. but, and it's getting undeniable and all those things, but nobody owes you, shit. you know, shit. And, and no, this life doesn't work that way. So no. yeah. I, it's funny too, cause I used to talk to comedians up here and they'd go, man, I can't get on this open mic in town. And I'm like, you, you, are you seriously bitching about that? Like you might as well quit now. Like you may as well quit now. If this is beating you up and you can't play the open mic at whatever, because you emailed the guy once and he didn't email you back and already you're done. It's like, 
just walk away then because this is all it is at every level there's a door that's not going to open for you and no one gives a shit and no one thinks you're entitled to anything and by the way there's no fairness in this either there's no board of people sitting around going well paul verzi he's worked really hard over the last bunch of years let's uh let's give him the key to everything let's uh huh? everyone in agreement all in favor i and they fucking yeah. just hand you yeah. every key to every door it never comes so no. enjoy the process enjoy being a stand-up and get ready to be kicked in the balls a bunch of times. And uh, hopefully you get up. Yeah, because it's, you know, I remember before I was doing this, I was knocking doors, sales, you know, knocking doors in New York City, phone, cable, internet, doors, dude. I knock on somebody's door at dinner time in Queens, in New York. I mean, I'm talking 630 at night. These people are sitting down ready to eat. And I'm like, you guys want to, how's your HBO package and shit? Like literally, you know, I could combine everything, you know. Hey, and, no, bad time. No, no. But I knew, but like, you know that all day, all day, it's going to be no. Yeah. But the one or two that say yes are going to make me over $50,000 in my 20 and when I'm 21 years old. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, so it's the same thing. It's like HBO will tell me no. And Hulu will tell me no. And yeah. Netflix will tell me no. But you know what? If Showtime says yes, if Amazon says yes, if Comedy Central says yes, and all of a sudden I could showcase and do what I do, that's that's the thing. And it's it's the same thing with with auditions and everything like that. You made a good point just now. And I, I was thinking about it when you said it, because I was thinking about it before and I forgot. And you just reminded me where you said, well, this guy should quit now. I was down uh, touring after I after I'll say this came out. The great thing about it was it opened a ton of doors in 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 a list rooms, all the improvs and everything, you know, so I got to really start to tour and, and, and make more money, you know, than I, than I ever did and get into these rooms. And I remember seeing this guy, he's doing it around the same time I was doing it. Guy was really good, but local, not leaving. Mm -hmm. And we have this great weekend and we went out for drinks afterwards, after the show, we had a couple of drinks and we're talking comedy. We're shooting the shit. We're having a good time. And I remember at the end of the weekend, he was like, this happened a couple of times, but this guy, this stuck out. He goes, yo, man, you, you kind of rejuvenated me, man, you know, working with you and, and you rejuvenated me, man. And seeing that. And, and, and I, I left there going, dude, you're dead. If it took me, if it took this weekend for you to see somebody work hard, have a good time, try new jokes. You know, and I, I used to get into that thing where I would like when I first started headlining, oh, who's, who's who am I following? Now I don't give a fuck. Right. Who's there? I'm not changing who I am. Right. Yeah. I'm not going to do I, I am who I am. Yeah. I'm going to go there and you do what you do in the room and I'm going to do what I do in the room. And that's what's going to happen. But if it took you to see that and it took you to, to you see me do something and it and you you're in the same in the game, same amount of time I am. And, oh, I rejuvenated you. Then you're not, if you need that, then there's a problem. Now, listen, I hope that that dude, I, I could be wrong and I hope I'm wrong. Yep. But, but you, you was seeing that doesn't, shouldn't make you go, oh man, I'm back. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, no, man, you gotta, you gotta write your own ship without help. Yeah, I agree. You know, so what happens if you didn't work with me that weekend? You're going to sit home and fucking smoke weed and 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 do whatever it is. It's like and, and or or any comedian. I'm not just saying this for me. I'm yeah. saying any comedian that motivates you and then you're like, oh, you know, what? maybe I do need to get my shit together. It's like, buddy, yeah, yeah. you've been in this game a minute. I know. I know. It's weird. But I think you're right. Like getting back to the whole sports analogy, 
like you talked to Wayne Gretzky's dad and they were like, Oh, so were you out like just in the backyard on the rink with Wayne and you're just drilling him? He's like, no, Wayne wanted to do all that stuff on his own. It wasn't coming from me. That was like him wanting to do this stuff. And I think you're right. The greats, I think, are people who have measure of success in anything. There's an internal drive. You don't need to be motivated by anybody else. Yeah, you can have moments of like, okay, yeah, I got to step it up or whatever. I get that. But that baseline level of like giving a shit, you can have that instilled in you. That's not coming from outside source at all. That's like you either have that or you don't. And that's no one can help you with that. Nobody. You, you're right. Do you have kids? No. Okay. No. So I have two little ones and they're everything to me, right? Everything in the world to me and protecting them and keeping them safe and being there for them. Everything, you know, emotionally, financially, everything to support your, your family and your children. And if my son and daughter said, dad, I want to do comedy. And I thought about the shit that I did. Okay. <laughs> leaving upstate New York at the time, like, you know, to go to Harlem, 125th street, Harlem, park my fuck, park my, my car under the bridge, go do, you know, I came up in black rooms, 200 black audience members wanted to boo me off stage. So I literally came up on some eight mile shit and I'm not kidding you. Wow. When I was in New York, I did black rooms and I'd be the only white soul in the room, maybe me and one other dude. And we'd be like, hey, man, I hope this goes well. And oh, you know, that white boy is funny. And I literally came up like that doing, yeah, doing contests, <laughs> doing the urban circuit, doing all that. And and standing on, we I stand on a Coca Cola crate in a bar in Jersey while people are trying to eat their food, looking at the game, and I'm yelling about my grandmother jokes, you know. <laughs> and I'm thinking, my kids want to do this. I'm like, you better, you better listen. You better want to do this because yeah. now thinking back, I'm like, I had no choice. Yeah, like, yeah. As far as what I, I I was gonna drive an hour and a half to Harlem and see if I was gonna get booed off stage. It was just in there. You just had it in there already. Yeah. Exactly. And so the fear of your loved one and the fear of of people that you love doing it, it's like I would really. But the nice thing is I'll be able to know if my son or daughter wants to do it or if they yeah. well, want to do it. Like there's a difference, That's you know. True. Uh, That's true. My, Michael Rappaport said something on uh, Bill Burr's podcast a long time ago. He goes, I didn't come out to California because I was going to try to act and be in movies. He said, I came out to California because I had no choice but to be in movies. Right. Like, I'm going to be in the movies. Like, I am going to come out. Like, and it, it's such a difference of like, I'm going to go out and see. Maybe we'll get an apartment. <laughs> we'll go to the beach and sink. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. I'll see how it goes. I go to an audition. If it doesn't work out, I'll get a job at Staples. It, it, uh, it, yeah. It, like it was an option, like just a, a multitude of things I could do. <laughs> it, that's exactly right. And it's, it's not an option. So I think that those are the people that are like, yeah. you know, I totally agree, dude. It, it's uh, it's a weird thing. And my equivalent now, cause I don't have kids is the person who comes up to me after a show and goes, dude, that was really good. Uh, I'm thinking about doing stand up and I go sit down. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I need to, I need to, you to know what it's really like. Like, you just saw that and that's great. But to yeah. get to that, here's the shit I had to go through. Cause the talent part, I don't even know what that is. I don't know if you're funny. I don't even care. I just need you to know what the <laughs> underbelly of this thing is. So you are walking in with your eyes open, not like, yeah, I think it's all happy people and we have a great time. It's like, dude, there's a darkness and you're going to need to push through some shit. So I become that, uh, you know, that grandparent who's like, why is the old man yelling at the child? He just, he just said he had a dream. Jesus Christ. Why is he <laughs> trying to shit on? No, I'm just trying to make sure it's airtight. I'm trying to make sure you really want, want to say. 
<laughs> yeah, that's so. You probably deterred so many people from their oh. dream just for after shows. Yeah, they're like, okay, well, maybe you know, I'll be an accountant. Fuck it. Okay, that's, <laughs> you that's see the guy. Again. You see the guy as a bank teller, just depressed <laughs> every day. You're like, dude, you should have at least done a mic. I mean, I, I was. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, you're right. Well, if my little pushback on you made your dream crumble, this wasn't going to work for you anyway. That's yeah. <laughs> right. If I if I talk to you out of that in two minutes, yeah, this wasn't going to happen. So, dude, yeah. uh, my introduction to you was a bunch of years ago. We never met formally, obviously, but my, when I first heard of you, I should say, was I think you were touring Canada with Burr with Bill yeah. and uh, you guys were you were doing the podcast and just doing these updates. It was like you guys were blowing around because I live. I'm in Halifax now in Nova Scotia, but I live in Calgary the other half of the year. So I think you guys were blowing through like Edmonton and Calgary. And I oh my God, <laughs> Calgary. I, I remember I was talking about- I was at that show. I was at the show, dude. I think it was, uh, was it at like McEwen Hall or something? It had like concrete walls on the Wait, side. Wait, which, like, which one was this? Because I think you'd done two shows. I think you'd come through and done one and then you'd gone on and the rest of the tour. I think you guys come back for a second show, I think. so. And, and, and what city? It was in Calgary, yeah. Dude. It was funny. I was talking today to somebody about how we started in Moncton and we ended in Victoria. Yeah. And, uh, you know, me and Burr, you know, one of my best friends in the world and, and, and a mentor and, you know, I don't open for Bill anymore. And that was something that we planned, you know, it was like, this yeah. is not going on forever. And that had to happen, you know, and it's been years and we always kind of talk about the, the amazing stories and stuff, but it was like, you know, now that I'm headlining and, and I have openers, you get to tell these amazing stories, but Calgary was fucking animals. It was <laughs> Calgary was like a BYOB. There were beer cans everywhere. It was like, Ugh. I thought I was in fucking South Jersey. One of them, we were in like an airplane hangar and there were just like, <laughs> God, there were just, there were just beer cans and people yelling uh -huh. out in a positive way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In, in a very Canadian heckler type of way. <laughs> but, but it was, it was, I remember, I actually believe it or not. I said today, the greatest fucking carrot cake I ever had in my life was at a bar in Moncton. No, known for their bar carrot cake. Uh, I'll have the wings and uh, the it was carrot cake. Yeah. The At first night, it was the first night we, we were there. It was freezing cold around this type of time. Of course. It was freezing cold. We we're in Moncton. And after the show, we went the first night of the show, we went to a bar in Moncton. And the lady walked over and she goes, Hey, you know, she wanted to let know it's going to sound a little weird. Our carrot cake here. Cause we had like dinner. We had like a, I don't know if we had like a sandwich, a burger, some wings or whatever. And she goes, just, I, it's going to sound weird. She goes, we have like the best carrot cake and Burr doesn't like carrot cake, but we both got it. And we still talk about it to this day, but that, <laughs> that was a 20 day, that was a 20 day, 22 show tour. And it was, um, I mean, I saw more of Canada than most people that live there. Yeah. Yeah. That's the great thing about touring, man. Like you go to cities you'd never think you'd ever go to. And yeah, I, you know, my folks didn't have, I didn't grow up with money and stuff. So I'm like, what other thing would I have done where I would be able to go to all these major cities in the country? And you're right. Go check out the place with the best wings and what all oh, this place has got the, the deadliest milkshakes. And you're like, you hit that up. Like that's one of the perks of the job, right? Yeah. Like, so uh, it's an amazing thing. But I remember one of the stories you guys were telling, I don't know if it was on Bill's podcast or not, you were talking about West Edmonton Mall and about the girl that you guys had met in West Edmonton Mall who was all cold and shit. And you were walking around with your skates. I like, yeah. just picture two of you guys just walking around West Ed, like, where, where the fuck is the rink? Like, fuck it. And you got to the rink, apparently. I guess there was some event on or something. Like, it was yeah. closed. 
Oh, so yeah, funny, we, dude. we, uh, yeah, like being with him, I ended up buying like $300 hockey skates, which were just so ridiculous. And they're, they're, you want to laugh, Trent? I swear to God, they're in my trunk today. They're in my trunk today. Just in I case the game breaks out, you're good to like, go. If there's, if there's ever, if there's ever an open skate or whatever, let's go. <laughs> and um, we're walking and that girl pissed me off because I said to her, I go, is there like a frozen yogurt place? And like, she thought I was hitting on her. Right. So she was like, um, really? Or so, and I was just like, what? Like, I, I wanted to be like, bitch, I'm married. Like, I don't, I don't like you. You think I'm in Edmonton to, to pick up a chick in a mall? Like I want frozen yogurt. And, um, and that was like, that kind of went viral. So it was a good, it was, it worked out. So funny. So funny. Um, yeah, it was great. And I remember the last thing I'll say was, I remember, I think at that show, I think you opened and, uh, you came out, you had a great set. It was at McEwen Hall, which I think is on a campus in U of C, University of Calgary. But it's a weird venue. Like they do a lot of live music there, but it's like got like concrete walls, like brick walls. And you guys are playing theaters, like gorgeous spots around the country. I'm sure like Capitol Theater in Moncton and on all the way yeah, across. Yeah. Oh, like it's a lot of old barns too, right? That are like just old theaters that have been refurbished, like beautiful spots. And you play McEwen Hall in Calgary. It's just these brick walls. And you finish, you had a great set. Bill walked out, I think. And there was, he goes, really? Calgary? This is how we ran to the tour? No fucking rug? Huh? Fuck a rug. Huh? We're not going to put one of those out there. We're just going to, ah, fuck it. Let's end this way. Oh, that's <laughs> I was just like, Jesus. It, uh, it was just, it was so funny. And, uh, but that was my introduction. That was like, okay, Paul Fursey, you keep an eye on that guy. And, uh, wow, man. Yeah. And that was, I, I kind of think back to how many years ago that was. And, um, and so much has happened since then. Yeah. And then I remember I was in a, we were in like a, a hockey rink. Uh, we were in a hockey arena, one of those, I guess, like minor league hockey arenas in, um, Ottawa, like yeah. a couple years later. And uh, Ottawa, by the way, I did when I did Absolute, it was Ottawa. Right. I, did, I think okay. I, I think I've, I've done them both. I think I did two or maybe, but Toronto, I never did. Toronto, I never, Ottawa, yeah. I never did the other one. Yeah. Kicks in. Yeah. And um, I uh, I remember we did that, and I got off, and Bill was like, and this was probably around two thousand, early two thousand and sixteen. Mm-hmm. And I remember, and Bill's like, I never heard any of that stuff. And then that's when we were like, that's when it was like, you know, you might be ready for a special. Cause I had done the album. I did the album in about 15 and then a year and a half later, he was like, all that stuff is new and the be- best stuff you've done. And then we were talking about doing a special. And then I remember we uh, were on the top, we were on like the 20 something floor of a hotel in Toronto, smoking a cigar. And he was like, yeah, man, the only sad thing about this is, you know, we're not going to be working together much longer with what you're doing. And, and that was like a celebration. It was a nice thing. Right. And, uh, yeah. And like now it's been, um, I would say it's been a few years and we always listen, we'll always go to a sporting event and like maybe do a show together and stuff. But now it's funny. I have openers for myself and I'm talking to them and, you know, and it's, it's, you see how it's, how it is and how it's done. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, but I, I got to tell you, man, it, it helped me because me opening for Burr was not me. I haven't talked about this much, but I'll talk about it on your show here because we, we got a, got a nice flow here. So <laughs> Um, I feel like opening for Burr was different than opening for somebody else in the sense that it, in a weird way, it put a target on my back because he was so vocal about his feelings for me and what he thought of me as a comic. And he was so vocal that people would go, man, this guy loves you. Why does this guy? I remember Tom Papa, we were in a green room in, um, at Montreal. 
And he just goes, why, what does fucking bird love you so much for? But so what happened was people would watch me more, right. but people also would watch me like this. People would watch me. I had a target on my back and I remember people going, man, you better be funny with what I heard or, or working with that guy. So, and, and it annoyed people. Some people were just like, you know, oh, so you got that because of Bill. And it was like, right. You know, what, what people don't understand is when somebody like Bill or somebody at that level, he, he asked me. Yeah, like like he approached me like I mean, it's not like there's a bunch of us banging on his door and he just picks one. Yeah, yeah. You know, no, Bill, this is over here. Yeah, this over isn't here. a it's not a bread line in a bad fucking economy where it, <laughs> when when the tickets run out, you're fucked. So and, and some people but I liked it because it always because because he did it in a weird way where he knew what I was in a way. And he knew that I was like, Oh, this guy's just coming and this guy's going to keep going. And, and I don't say that arrogantly. I say that humbly because it's like, it meant so much for him to know how serious I was and what I wanted to do. And, and, uh, and so when people would come at me and go, let's see if this guy is funny. And, and then I delivered, it made it that much sweeter where people are like, wow, man, you really are funny, but it, it wasn't easy sometimes as far as feeling and, and I know I shouldn't say it was hard, but I would feel that people were judging me more because yep. you have a guy that you're talking top five all time, you know, maybe even more. And so when you have a guy like that work for you, it's, it's easy to go. He got that because of Bill. Yep. Definitely. And, and what they didn't realize was, so that's why it was kind of like a bittersweet to not open for Bill anymore, but also it's like, no man, like it, it, I look at it as a badge of honor to have one of the greats. You know, I look at it like when Rodney Dangerfield took, took all of those guys. So Rodney Dangerfield put all of those guys on so many, even Seinfeld and Kinnison rest his soul and, and Dice Clay and, and um, even Jim Carrey took on the road and all those stories and stuff. So mm -hmm. to have a guy like that uh, do it meant a lot. No, dude, for short, I, I understand that pressure you would feel right from the outside or if you're in it, you're like, man, I really got to bring it because of all these accolades that I've been getting from Bill. But I'll give you a shout out. I mean, you got to have a certain mentality to want to evolve from from that point. I mean, you could have easily sat in that pocket and went, great, I'll just be Bill's opener for the rest of my days. I'm oh, with no, a buddy, yeah. we'll travel, it'll be a great time. Like, I'm sure there was a lot that was enticing about that setup. But you were like, no, I, I want this for myself. I want to go on and do my own things and, and sell my own tickets. And so, you know, testament to you and your work ethic to say, yeah, no, nah, this is great and awesome. I'm going to use it. But I want to get to the next level. But that's on I, you, you know. I appreciate that. And and to be honest with you, that was a nightmare thought for me. Like when I would think of like some of these guys, I believe like, I don't know if it was Carlin or there were a couple of guys that just had the same opener forever. And those guys were happy because it paid their bill and they did it. And for me, I'm like, I remember sitting in the green room, even when we weren't doing it together anymore. And I, and we would just go to a game or we would just see each other as a, like, Hey man, let's jump on the show. I remember sitting in the green room and being like, I'm doing 15 minutes. Like, what am I doing here? Yeah, you know? Yeah. And it was like, Oh, wait a minute. We're, we're, we're going to do something. We're here for the game. We're not here for this. And I remember feeling that, but no, you outgrew it. And I loved the pressure. And that was another thing. I love that people were like, Oh, let's see Paul. Let's see him. And mm -hmm. I loved it. And I embraced it and I wanted it. And, and I always tell, I always tell guys that open for me, it's like, you should want, not in a, not in a malicious way, no. but you should, you should want me to have a hard time following you or be afraid to follow you. Yep. Like every time I opened for Bill, I wasn't like, let me get through this. Of course I wanted to do the job for Bill, but I wanted to, I wanted my punch to land. Yep. You know, I wanted my right hook to hit them in the jaw and make them go, 
I didn't expect that, you know, because yeah. I, I, I know what Bill, we came for Bill, we know Bill, but this guy who opened for him, it was, a, I always wanted that, you know? <clears throat> Look, it's a tough spot too. Like I've opened for big acts too, especially in, early in my career. And you think, wow, this is the biggest crowd I've ever played. And man, look at this, but they are there to see the other guy. And yeah. you know, like no one gives a shit about you. I feel we have an advantage over opening bands on a show because opening bands quite often, people are like, ah, yeah, we'll get some beers, I guess, during those fucking guys. And they're just literally backs to the stage, just shit talking. Yeah. Like, so what do you want to do after this? I'm like, oh, okay, the real bands go, you know, at least we get people sitting facing the front, right. you know, and like they're actually engaged. But did you feel this? Because when I started to go off on my own and do my own stuff, I realized, oh man, it's totally different. Like from the selling of the tickets to the venues, to the marketing, to like getting updates on ticket sales. I'm like, when I opened for people, I didn't give a shit about any of that. I'm like, what time do you want me to be there? 7.30 for the eight o'clock show. How much time did you want? I had no concerns in the world. And when you're on a tour and now it's your name on the marquee, it's like, oh Jesus, there's just a multitude of things that start a year in advance. And like, oh Jesus, the logistics and where are we going? And I realized, oh man, I had an easy ride. Like what I was Yeah, doing. I'm having a fucking panic attack pulling into the parking lot to see how many cars are in here right now. You know, <laughs> I'm having a panic attack because I got it. Yeah, when it started and now, you know, um, I was very, you know, one thing that was big and I wanted it and I embraced it was the first special. Yeah. And now the first special has over 10 million hits online. Crazy. Um, multiple, multiple jokes on the special are viral. So like at first it was like the lightsaber joke with my daughter got like five plus million. But then all of a sudden during the election, my Trump joke got like over three million. And then um, we have another joke on there, which has close to a million. So it was it, it was all of a sudden it was like, wow, we found out who it outperformed on their platform. And it was just like so many unbelievable comedians. It was so humbling. So now it was like, you know, now that I kind of created my own space, now it's like, you know, like we were talking before, now I want the next one to be better. We're working on that. And it's just always, you know what it is? I feel like don't put a pressure on yourself either. It's almost like, you know, you're getting better as a comedian and a person uh, as far as evolving. So that's going to come to the stage. So as long as you're evolving as a person, I, I feel like that's just going to keep coming and, and you don't let your foot off the gas as far as wanting to create. Like all of the things we were talking about earlier, um, it's like when we're saying it's never enough. Well, it's the same thing when you put a product out. It's like, I'm not putting something out that was worse than the last one. Right. Or I just won't put it out. Yeah. You oh, you're know? right. And, and, but I always felt too, like my best stuff's still ahead of me because now I have more experience. I, I've learned more. I got more stage experience. Like I should feel like my best shit's ahead of me, you know? Whereas I feel like with an athlete, I'm sure it's sometimes I get to a point where they get to that peak and it's like, oh shit, now I'm a little slower. I'm in my thirties. I lost a step. Uh, injuries are sneaking up, but I feel the benefit for us as comedians is like, we can always feel like our best shit. So ahead of us, I have more insight. I got more life experience for you. You have kids now. It's like, you're going down these different avenues of life that are just going to provide rich soil for you to make more comedy and more content. Right. So I always try to look at it as a positive thing, as opposed to, uh, dude, I remember I had a great year five years ago. It's like, fuck dude, five years ago. That's a lifetime ago, you know, but we know those guys, right? I'm sure you know those guys are like, that was my shot, man. Fucking like, dude, dude I bought a Ford four <laughs> years ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I hear you. I, I totally, I totally hear you, man. And it's, it's, I feel like we almost, we, we, we start in our twenties, right? We do it in our twenties. We get good in our thirties. And then hopefully if you're one of the lucky ones to get through 
doing this for, you know, almost two decades. Like if you can get to that point and you're that far, then it's like, wow, I've, I've seen everything from the worst of it to the best of it all in between. And now it's kind of like, you know, now let's just go have fun. And, and really like, it's almost like that's when you get into your prime, yep. like where you were saying like 35, 36, an athlete's down. You know, we kind of like where we get like almost 20 years in, that's kind of like, all right, now like we're uh, almost, I don't want to say a pillar, but we're there still, yeah. you know, it didn't fade off. Cause I think, you know, it, guys aren't going to make it when, when I say guys, I don't want to get in trouble. I mean, yeah. women too. Yeah. Yeah. People, people, he means people. people. You're a people. You're in yeah. there. I don't know what's going on over there, but I heard something that they don't want people to say, Hey guys, let's go to the movies. Because if there's not a guy in that group. Oh, that's it. That's it. it. That's it. Canceled. Yeah. Canceled. Yeah. No, you're, you're so right, dude. I feel like it's, it's, uh, it's a great feeling to get up every day thinking that like, yeah, your best shit's ahead of you, or you could write your best joke today ever. But I remember the opposite feeling of going, I had my first closing joke and I went, man, I'll never, I'll never top that. I was two years in. I'm like, nah, that's, that was it for me. Retire my number, put it up in the rafters. And it was, uh, uh, it was a good run. It was a good run. Yeah. I'm about the guy I had the blown out knee. Like I was, you know, it was, uh, I want to thank my, my family. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, Oh, I had seven. Oh, dude, the, the, the delusions. Yeah, the delusions of grandeur in this business are some of the funniest. I remember my like first or second set in New York City ever. I had to bring three audience members, right, to pay. And I had to be, and I remember like killing on the first or second one. And I was like, dude, I'm going to be a movie star. <laughs> It's like, I was like, I'm going to be like, this is going to like, I, I might be the next Eddie Murphy. Like, and, and like, this could happen. Yeah. This could, and, and um, yeah, it's, it's, and then all of a sudden you like look back at tapes and you're like, oh my God. What have I, yeah, what was I doing? I was the same way after my second set. I'm like, how much is an arena to rent? Like, if you want to, you know, really sell some tickets, I mean, I got six minutes here that clearly is ready. I mean, so do we, do I rent the whole thing or how does it, they move the next? Because listen, if next, it's 18,000, <laughs> if it's 18,000 people, if everyone I ever met in my family comes, that's like 200. That's a, that's 200. That's given. I know they're coming, but how do I sell the other 1700? Uh, like just doing dumb math. Like Jesus Christ. Uh, this, dude, Cause this is the other thing getting back to what we talked about with balance and stuff. I still, I don't know why I still, as much as I feel a little bit of level of security, I still feel like this could all go away tomorrow. Like whatever that means, whatever that looks like, there's still a bit of an anxiety for me of like, Jesus, like this is, oh, I got to keep, and I think that's what also what drives you to keep producing stuff. But I also don't, it's not a comfortable feeling per se. Like I don't feel comfortable in, at any moment um, per se. I don't know if you can relate to that or not, where you just feel like you're going to get a phone call one day and be like, oh yeah? All right. Well, thanks. And that was it. You're just <laughs> comedy doesn't exist. You don't have a career. You're back working in a cubicle somewhere. Like, I don't know why, where that comes from, but I don't know if you have that or it's just me. I, I think, I, I think that that's, it's almost a good thing to have that. The only way I think of, um, that would be so funny if you just said that and just left, just left. You heard um, door, you heard door slam like, and a car start. have that? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> you just hear uh, door slam and the car starts. You're like, you just fucking. 
I'm just like, is this how his podcast ends? Or? Just welcome to the Ghost Podcast. I'm Trent McClellan. <laughs> this week we ghost Paul Bersey. Uh, <laughs> that'd be uh, funny if that was somebody's podcast, but you never knew when they were going to get up and leave. <laughs> it could be like it could be ten minutes in. <laughs> I watch your eyes the whole time. The minute they leave the screen, I just like, and you'd come back and. <laughs> I'm like he's going, he's going, he's going Trent, now. Trent, um, we, there's bets online. What minute I'll go? I feel like the only thing that would make me go, that's hilarious. I feel like the only thing that would make me go, man, it could all like, all right, this is actually a cool thing to talk about. I think, so to answer your question, yes, I think we always have that like, oh man, what could, you know, but I feel like as long as we are, as long as we can do our podcasts and do our stuff, stand up, you know, as long as we are healthy and able, knock on wood saying, you know, that that's the number one thing. Um, we, we should be okay because they can't take that. Like you can't, the only way that would all be over is every single club said, you're not coming back in here. But even in that case, I would just like be like, all right, well, I have some fans now, so let's get an outdoor thing. So I would always, I would always hustle to that. The thing that I, uh, see happening is you can, we're talking about being canceled. And we were talking about, well, if you say that, you can go, things can go away. And listen, I have shit to lose. I got a family, you know, we're, we're working on a lot of amazing things. Uh, and not that I want to say things that would get me canceled, but you have to, there, we are in a time now where something could be misconstrued, something. So like that, that's the fear. The yeah. fear is like, I'm just going on a podcast, shooting this shit with Trent. And we're just talking and something came up and he asked me a question about something. He said, Hey, Paul, do you own a gun? Or what do you think about Trump? Not that you would ask me that and not that we would talk about that, but if that comes up. So I will say, I will say like, as much as they're like, Oh, well, you're never going to lose freedom of speech in a way you kind of have a a little bit. And my, and my reasoning for that is this, no, I got freedom of speech. Granted, I can say it. I'm not going to get thrown in jail, but I could lose my job. Yeah. You know, I have friends that have lost things, big shows because they said something on a podcast. I know people that all of a sudden it's like, well, he said that now they're trying, they're trying to cancel him and it's going, and he was just trying to be funny. It was just a joke. So I'm not necessarily worried about somebody saying, Hey man, it's all over. Cause I know my ability. And as long as I'm, you know, healthy and able to do it, I can do it and earn and, yeah. and, and do what I love to do. But what I am worried about is you know, and I always have my, I'm always kind of smart with it, but you know, knock on wood, I don't want to jinx it, but I'm always thinking about like, okay, I see these guys are going in a direction that could go. And, and, and I could tell they want my take on it. They, they want me to say something and I'm not in my living room with my friends and a whiskey. No. And all of a sudden I want to say something because if I do that, even if, even if the person who wanted to cancel me agrees with me, they could go, well, you can't say that. Yeah. Yeah. Or, well, why would he say that? Um, and listen, I'm all for, I'm all for, you know, uh, progression and people being equal. I'm all for that. Mm -hmm. I'm just talking about if I made a joke about a gun owner, if I made a joke, I'm talking, and the key word is joke. 
Like it's just, if I just made a joke about something that is kind of a hot button topic today and and something that makes somebody go like this, the worry is, are they going to understand that I'm joking and I'm trying to take something serious and like loosen it up? Or are they going to think, oh man, Paul Verzi, dude, that dude is, is that dude. And and it's like, so my fear, cause, cause I've seen it happen to not only friends, but good comedians and good people. Mm -hmm. And where, and it's just like, man, it's horrible, man. It's a really horrible thing. So my fear is the, the, strictness on that. And I'm hoping Trent that this pandemic will make people realize when they do get back into comedy clubs, by the way, I said this with Salvo, you know, Salvacano, right? No, I don't know. So impractical so, jokers. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Sal who's on impractical jokers, a good friend of mine. And we did a podcast and at the beginning, I just said on the podcast, I said, Hey man, I said, I'm hoping that when this is over, and people get back in the clubs, that political correctness and the overcorrection, I should say, of the political correctness kind of goes away a little bit. Maybe people will realize, man, what are we so upset about? We're at a comedy show. Let's loosen up. That's all I said. A blogger and a journalist, a so-called journalist, uh, goes, why would, your why would someone's mind go there? And then they were just like, yeah, I know. What is Sal talking about? And he was like, no, I'm talking about Verzi. Why would he go? What? And I'm going like, wait a minute. I'm saying because of a global pandemic that people are dying from, people are being told to stay in their homes, all of the psychological damage that's gone on, which I think people don't even realize the ramifications of what's gone on, when you get back in the club and you have your two drink minimum and you're watching somebody be funny and he or she says a killer joke, but it may happen to have something you're going to go this time around. You're going to go, ah, oh, man, you know what, dude, I'm just happy to be out and I get where they're going and, and loosen up a little bit. And he took it as why would his mind go there? And that's when I realized when I saw that comment and then my, um, you know, my, my publicist people were like, Paul, because I said something, I go, wow. I go like, that's disgraceful. I actually went at the guy. Right. And I go, that's disgraceful for me to say something positive to a friend of mine about after the pandemic, people loosening up or something. And, and the guy said something back like, wow, you're, now you're taking things to, you know, and my, my, somebody hit me up and goes, Paul, listen, you can't interact with that guy because that's what he does. And that's yep. what he wants to get done. And, and you know, but it bothered me because I'm saying, so I didn't even say something crazy. Yeah, I know. Dude, it's crazy. It's like, because those interactions never end with someone writing back, oh, Paul, thank you for clarifying. I understand your point now. Let's all move on happily. Like it never, it's just hitting a tennis ball back over the net and then they hit it back and you're like, I gotta get the fucking ball and you gotta go fucking hit it. But no, it never ends up. Eventually you just keep the ball and just never hit it back and that it ends eventually. But I think you're right. And I know when shows opened up here in Canada in the spring, dude, like you could feel it in the audience of people wanting to get back out and feel connected. Like to me, one of the purest things ever is a room full of strangers all laughing at the same moment when you drop that last line and everyone laughs, like everyone's together in that moment. And I'm like, man, that's what people need now more than ever is to feel connected. Like we all get it right now. I don't care how much money you make, what color you are in that moment, 300 people laughing all at the same time is a powerful thing. And I think I'm hoping too, that when people come back to that, they'll go, Jesus, this was, this is, we needed this. This is huge. You know? Yeah. And I think, I think the fact that that, that person did that just goes to show that they want to cause trouble and it's not about funny to them. And it's an unfortunate thing when those people are out there because it's, it's that, that's kind of what the problem is. And you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll say this too. Uh, even politically, man, the, like when you talk to somebody politically, 
it's such a nice, refreshing thing to have a different point of view than somebody, but have a beer over it and go, you know what, man, you're crazy with that, but I love you. And since I love you and I know you're a good person and you love me and you know, I'm a good person, let's cheers to uh, agree to disagree. Mm-hmm. And whoever wins wins, yeah. right? Whatever whatever law gets passed gets passed, and we'll we'll get on the other guy if it ends up being a disaster. But we're going to be and and something has gone away from that so much. And as much as people want to say Trump, it's not just Trump because I noticed it in the states even before Trump. I think he took it over the top, and I think that things like that. But there's this thing where it's almost like now it's almost like oh you're crazy or you're not. Right. You're yeah. one of the crazy ones on either side. You're, oh, that's, it's almost like the whisper, like, yeah, he's, you know, he's a little, you know, that yeah, guy. Yeah, guy's and it's, and it's almost, yeah, exactly. It's almost like that. Oh yeah. boy, we know what we're dealing with. One of here. those. And, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. One of those. And it's like, dude, I know and love very smart people that are both Democrat and Republican, both. And they're great people. I love them both. They're both educated. They're both the same. And you would think these people were like, and, and grew up on different planets. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, dude, it's, it's like what I found now, because the same thing here in Canada to a certain extent, maybe not as much as, as down there, but we're now, when we look at people having different opinions, we now even just question their character along with that. So it's, it's like, oh, right. you can have that opinion, but now right. I question whether or not you're even a good person. Like, it's right. like, no, I just said that healthcare should be this. It's like, oh, yeah, okay. Oh, I know what this means. Oh, okay. You're one of those. Okay. It's like, no, I just have a different opinion. You know, this thing, people didn't do that back in the day. I don't think they just, they could coexist and go, yeah, Republican, Democrat up here would be liberal, conservative. And it's like, all right, well, you're coming over for beers tonight, right? We're barbecuing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you just, you get it that you didn't see everything perfectly, but I don't question your character as a result of the fact that you have a different opinion. Yeah. It's almost as if, if you say something, you're characterized as the worst case scenario of that. So it's like, you're you're if, so if you say something that may be conservative, you're the furthest right. And yeah. if you say something that might be liberal, it's like you're fu- you know, you want to burn the American flag and you hate. The, it's like, no, no, no. It's like, yeah, it's it's like what you said. It's almost like, no, it's because it, the funny thing is like somebody like John F. Kennedy. Right. Who was rest his soul, who was a Democrat. He'd be looked at as like. Hitler today, like, God. so it's gone so many different directions as far as like what the political, ca- you know, somebody's character. And, and that's the sad thing is that it's like what you just said. It almost means like, you know, when I see people going, if you're for that, we just can't be friends or family and people losing family members, literally, man. Yeah, yeah. I saw one girl on Twitter going, I lost my mother. And I was going to say like, oh, my condolences. And she's like, no, she just with this election, I just can't. And I'm going like your mother. Your mother, yeah. you lost you, and I'm going like some people really lost. Their, some people's mother got hit by a bus yesterday. Yeah. So it's yeah. like so. So that's the thing, and 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 what sucks is bringing it, bringing that into our world is when that goes into the comedy world, and it starts affecting a joke. Um, that's my fear. I know that this ended up being a long-winded answer about your thing about saying, "Are you so worried you, about?" So, a you, phone so call? you don't like you don't like cats, is what you're saying? Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was a long way around, Paul. I'm not going to lie to you. It's just yes or no, really. Uh, Christ. Uh, yeah. We didn't get into it. So I would say vanilla over chocolate. <laughs> so I would say Packers by five. What? Uh, <laughs> dude, um, what's coming up for you, man? We wrap this up. Uh, what, what's coming up for you in the next little bit? Oh, uh, so yeah. So by the way, does this come out soon? Your podcast? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it'll, it'll come out uh, in the next 12 months, Paul. This will be uh, heard by people and, and, and it'll be fine. Yeah, no, it's going to be up pretty soon here. 
Nice, nice. So in June, um, no, I'm kidding. I, uh, <laughs> 20, 2025. I've I went on to... vacation in July. No. Uh, so uh, I had a great time, by the way. I appreciate you having me. Oh, it was um, awesome. Such a great job. A lot of fun. Um, so this weekend, the 18th through the 20th, I will be at the Laugh Out Loud Comedy Club, which I think is an improv. Now it says Texas Improv. I don't know, but it's called the Laugh Out Loud Comedy Club, San Antonio, Texas, um, the 18th through the 20th. That's five shows, two Friday, two Saturday, one Sunday. It's going to be completely safe. It's going to be temperature checks at the door. It's going to be social distance with private tables for that party, very separated. Um, so I want people to feel comfortable, but I'm bringing the new hour. I'm really, really excited about that. Also, you go to paulverzi.com for some dates. I'm, I have um, Atlanta coming up January 8th through the 10th. That's the punchline. And then I'm being Florida uh, in the spring, March and May. So you could check all those dates on paulverzi.com. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. Um, uh, that's free. And I have a Patreon podcast uh, gun to our heads and the Verzi effect, of course. So all of that stuff, you could search me and uh, come to see a show and let me know that you heard me on this great podcast. Busy man. Fantastic stuff, man. Thanks for doing this. Uh, dude, you feel like an old friend now. It's like, God, I've not known that guy for years. We just yeah. met an hour ago. Anytime I do a podcast with somebody and an hour goes fast, I'm always like, ah, you know what? It's a good show. It's a good conversation. And how funny would it be if you just tomorrow, you just read that I got canceled. <laughs> You're like, I don't know, dude. He was he talking it. about Chris. He called it. He called it on the, no, it was on my podcast and he called being canceled on the last podcast he's ever going to do. I swear to God. No, he just got canceled. Dude, the dude just said he doesn't like tall Christmas trees. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> and that could be the thing. That's it. It's like, oh, he's a treeist. He's one of those trees. Oh, he's a tree hugger. Oh God. Uh, I, oh, what's what about shorter trees, Paul? What do you? You're like, oh, I can't win. That'd be a funny sketch if a guy was just crying, like weeping, and he's like, he lost everything, and like, you know, like his 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 like his golden globe was snapped in half, and he just lost everything. But it was for like the most ridiculous. Yeah, he said. Like, he, like, said a, he said no pickles on his burger. It's like. <gasps> Uh, he said it's 2020. It's 2020. You you're a piece of shit. <laughs> just cancel. Just like, guys, anti pickle. What? Oh, that's funny. for the love of God. I've known that guy 15 years. And I had no idea he hated pickles. Oh, that's funny, dude. <laughs> dude, that's man, funny. take care. Happy holidays to you and the family. Enjoy yourself. Yes. Have a good uh, New Year's in 2021. And uh, happy for all your success, man. All the best. Uh, likewise to you too, man. And uh, if I'm out your way, we'll get up. And if you ever come to the States, man, look me up and uh, hit me up and uh, make sure you give Josh Williams hell next time you see him. All right. <laughs> we'll do man. We'll do it. All right, man. All right, buddy. Man. Cheers.